0: Hello and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast, For this week we finish Treasure Island, I talk about a Disney Plus show that y'all should watch, and I went to see a brand new musical. right this week we finished treasure island finally after what seven this is week seven i think of treasure island and we begin the newest book for the podcast next week stay tuned to the very end to find out what book we're reading i also talk about Star vs. the forces of evil which might not be a new show for most people but it's new to me damn it so i wanted to talk about it and then i went to see bliss at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. But if you like the Going Up Cast and wish to support the Going Up Cast, there's lots of ways in which you can do that. You can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash goingupcast, where you can have a $5 patron and get access. access sorry, asses. You can get access to the monthly live stream where we read chapters and do a whole bunch of stuff. Or you can go to uh, goingupcast.com forward slash store, where you can purchase a mystery book or a personalized audiobook reading of your choosing. And please feel free to swing by facebook.com forward slash goemcast as well, where I've got a poll going up basically right now, uh, trying to determine what book we're going to read once we're done with Aragon, because we're about halfway through that book, um, at least in terms of where I'm at in recording of chapters. And we've got a lot of potential paths that we can go down, so I'm, I'm curious. Um, essentially, if you don't want to go to Facebook, and you can just uh, hit me up on uh, goemcast at um, gmail.com, or on Instagram at GoingUpCast, where you can either read A Clash of Kings, which is the second Game of Thrones book, um, Eldest, which is the sequel to Aragon, or I just purchased today The Last Wish, which is the collection of short stories that uh, served to be the main inspiration for The Witcher show on Netflix. So those those are the three options. Um... I mean, there's something to be said for maybe not starting a third franchise when I haven't finished um, two others, but I'll, let, I'll leave it up to y'all um, in terms of what we do next. I've already decided what we're doing for the podcast because I wanted to, uh, a springtime book and I think I got a really good one. Uh, again, hang out to the end to find out. And this week's episode of the Going Upcast is quite lengthy, so I'm going to stop blathering on and let's get into Treasure Island. since I've done this but I think this might be the end of a Treasure Island this week that's right I already have the new book picked out public domain and all um I was looking for a springtime book and I think I nailed it but for right now chapter 30 on parole I'm also all snuggled up in a blanket because it's like I was about to be like it's it's early in the morning but it's not it's not early in the morning it's like 12.15 um but it's my weekend so early in the morning I was awakened or I was wakened, indeed we were all wakened for I could even see the sentinel shake himself together from where he had fallen against the doorpost by a clear hearty voice hailing us from the margin of the wood blockhouse ahoy, it cried here's the doctor, and the doctor it was although I was glad to hear the sound, yet my gladness uh, was not without admixture I remember with confusion my insubordinate and stealthy conduct, and when I saw where it had brought me among what companions and surrounded by what dangers, I felt ashamed to look him in the face. He must have risen in the dark, for the day had hardly come, and when I ran to a loophole to look at as I am standing, like Silver once before, upon the mid-leg in creeping vapor. Upon the mid-leg. Sure. Um, oh, Silver. Ah, uh, fuck. Okay, um, god, it's been a minute. Uh. as <laughs> pint! You doctor! Top of the morning to you, Sir! Cried Silver, broad awake and beaming good nature in a moment. Bright and early, to be sure. And it's the early bird, as the sign goes, that gets the rations. That's not the fucking saying. Anyway. George, shake up your timbers, son, and help Dr. Livesey over the, side of the ship's side. All's are doing well. Your patience was oh, well and merry. So he pattered on and standing on the hilltop with a crutch under his elbow and one hand upon the side of the log house. Quite the old John in voice, manner, and expression. Hmm <laughs> hmm we got quite a surprise for you too, sir. He continued. We've a little stranger here. <laughs> a new boarder and lodger, sir. And looking fit and tot as a fiddle. Slept like Supercargo did, right alongside of John. Stem to stern we was all night. Stem to stem we was all night. Is that a penis joke? That's not a penis joke. Is that an ass joke? It might be an ass joke. Stem to stem. What's the stem of a body? It's probably the butt. I think it's a butt joke. I think it slept like butt to butt the whole night. Dr. Livesey was by this time across the stockade and pretty near the cook. I could hear the alteration in his voice as he said, Not Jim! The very same Jim as ever was, says uh, Silver. The doctor stopped outright, although he did not speak, and it was some seconds before he seemed able to move on. Well, oh well, he said at last. Duty first and pleasure afterwards, as you might have said yourself, Silver. Let us haul over these patients of yours. A moment after he had entered the blockhouse, and with one grim nod to me, proceeded with his work among the sick. He seemed under no apprehension, though he must have known that his life among these treacherous demons depended on a hair. And he rattled out... Rattled on to... Oh, God. Oh, I'm kicking shit. Hold on. Eh. 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 What is it? And he rattled on to his patients as if he were paying an ordinary professional visit in the quiet English family. His manner, I suppose, reacted on the men, for they behaved to him as if nothing had occurred, as if he were still the ship's doctor, and they still faithful hands before the mast. Ugh. You're doing well, my friend, he said to the fellow with the bandage shed. And if ever a person had a closer shave as you, your head must be as hard as iron. Well, German George, how goes it? You're a pretty color, certainly, why your liver, man, is upside down. Did you take that medicine? Did he take the medicine, men? Oh, I say, took it, sure enough, returned Morgan. Because, you see, I am a mutineer's doctor, or a prison doctor, as I prefer to call it, Dr. is said in his pleasantest voice. Make it a point of honor not to lose a man for King George, God bless him, and the gallows. The rogues looked at each other but swallowed the home thrust in silence. Okay. Dick don't feel well, sir, said one. Don't he? Replied the doctor. Well, step up here, dick. Let me see your tongue. No. I should be surprised if he did. The man's tongue is fit to frighten the French. Another fever. Ah, um. Ah, there, said Morgan. That comes of spilling bibles. That comes, as you call it, being... Of being errant asses, retorted the doctor, not having enough sense to know honest air from poison, and the dry land from a vile pestiferous, pestiferous. Who? I'm guessing it means like petulant or um, uh, yeah, pestiferous slog. I think it most improbable, though of course it's only an opinion, that you'll all have the deuce to pay before you get that malaria out of your systems. "'Camp in a bog, would you? Silver, I'm surprised to you. You're less of a fool than many. Take you all round, but you don't appear to me to have the rudiments of a notion of the rules of health. Well he said after he had dosed them oh, that's the doctor. Well, he said after he had dosed them round, and they had taken his prescriptions with really laughable uh, humility, more like charity school children than blood guilty mutineers and pirates. Well that's done for today, and I should I wish to have a talk with that boy, please and he nodded his head in my direction carelessly george mary was at the door spitting and spluttering over some bad-tasted medicine but at the first word of the doctor's proposal he swung round with a deep flush and cried no and swore damn silver struck the barrel with his open hand silence he roared looking about him positively like a lion doctor he said on in his usual tones, i was a thinking that knowing as you had a fancy of the boy uh we're all humbly grateful for your kindness and as you see, put faith in you and take the drugs down, much like the grog. And I take it i found a way as suits all. Hawkins, will you give me a word of honour that as a young gentleman, for a young gentleman you are the poor board, your word of honour not to slip your cable, I readily gave the pledge required. Then, Doctor, said somebody, you just step outside of that stockade. Once you're there, I'll bring the boy down on the inside. Reckon you can yarn through the spars. Good day to you, sir, and all our duties to the squire and Captain Smollett. The explosion of disapproval, which nothing but Silver's black looks had restrained, broke out immediately as the doctor left the house. Silver was roundly accused of playing double, of trying to make a separate peace for himself, or sacrificing the interest of his accomplices and victims, and in one word of the identical exact thing that he was doing. It seemed to me so obvious in the case that I could not imagine how he was to turn their anger. But he was twice the man the rest were, and his last night, uh, last night victory had given him a huge preponderance of their, on their minds. He called them all the fools and dolts you can imagine it was necessary I should talk to the doctor fluttered the charts in their faces and asked them if they could afford to break the treaty the very day they were bound to treasure hunting No by thunder, he cried It's us we must break the treaty when the time comes Until then I'll gammon that doctor and I have to ill his boots with brandy Um, I guess he means oil I don't know And then he bade them to get the fire lit and stalked out upon his crutch with his hand upon my shoulder leaving him in disarray and silenced by his volubility rather than convinced "'Slow, that, slow,' he said. "'It might round us, round upon us in the twinkle of an eye if we seemed to hurry.' "'Very deliberately, then, we did advance on across the sand "'to where the doctor waited us on the other side of the stockade. "'As soon as we were within easy speaking distance, Silver stopped. "'You make a note of this here also, doctor,' he said. "'And the boy will tell you how I saved his life. "'We were disposed for it, too, and you may lay that, "'Doctor, when a man's steering as near the wind as me, "'playing Chuck Farthing with the last breath of his body, "'like, you wouldn't think too much may happen to give him one good word?' Will you please bear in mind it's not my life only, anyhow. It's the boy's on the bargain. If you speak to me a fair, doctor, and give him a bit of hope to go on, for the sake of mercy. Silver was a changed man once he was out there, and he had um, had his back to his friends in the black house. His cheeks seemed to have fallen in, his voice trembled. It was never more soul-dead in earnest. Why, John, you—you're not afraid? Asked Doctor Livesey. Doctor, I'm no coward. Not I. Not so much. And he snapped his fingers. If I was, I wouldn't say it. But I'll own up fairly. I shakes upon me for the gallows. You're a good man and true, I've never seen a better man, and you'll not forget what I done good. not any more than you'll forget the bad, I know. And I step aside, see here and leave you and Jim alone. And you put that down for me too, for it's a long stretch, that is. So saying he stepped back a little ways till he was out of earshot, and then sat down upon a tree stump and began to whistle spinning round and round spring round now and again upon the seat so as to command a sight sometimes of me and the doctor sometimes of his unruly ruffians, as they went to and fro from the sand between the fire which they were busy rekindling the house from which they brought forth pork and bread to make the breakfast so jim said the doctor sadly here you are as you have brewed so shall you drink my boy heaven knows I cannot find it in my heart to blame you but this much i will say it be kind or unkind when captain small it was well you dared not have gone off when he was ill and couldn't help it by George, it was downright cowardly. I will my—I will own that I here began to weep. Doctor, I said, you might spare me. I know i blame blamed myself enough. My life's forfeit anyway. And I should have been dead by now if Silverhand stood for me, and Doctor believe this. I can't die, and I dare say I deserve it. But what I fear is torture. If they torture me, Jim, the Doctor interrupted. His voice was quite changed. Jim, I can't have this. Whip over and we'll run for it. Doctor, I said, I passed my word. I know, I know, he cried. We can't help that Jim now. I'll... Take it on my shoulders. Hollis, bolus, blame and shame, my boy, but stay here. I cannot let you. Jump! One jump and you're out and we'll run for it like antelopes. No, I replied. I replied. "'You know right well you want to do the thing yourself. "'Neither you, nor squire, nor captain, nor more will I. "'Silver trusted me. "'I passed my word, and back I go. "'But, Doctor, you did not let me finish. "'If they come to torture me, "'I might let slip a word of where the ship is. "'For I got the ship, probably by luck and partly by risking. "'She lies in the north inlet on the southern beach, "'just below high water. "'At half time, she must be high and dry. "'The ship!' exclaimed the Doctor, "'rapidly had described her in my adventures. "'You he heard me out in silence.' There is a kind of fate in this, he observed when I had done. Every step, it is you that saved our lives. And do you suppose by chance that we are going to let you, uh, you lose yours? That'd be a poor return, my boy. You found the plot. You found Ben Gunn. The best deed that you ever did or will do, uh, though you live in uh, two ninety. Oh, by Jupiter and talking of Ben Gunn. Why, this is a mischief in person. Silver, he cried. Silver, or Silver, he cried. Silver, I'll give you a piece of advice. And continued as cook drew near again. Don't you be in any great hurry after that treasure. Um... Why, sir, I do my possible, which that ain't, said Silver. I can, only asking upon and save my life and the boys by seeking for that treasure, and you may lay to that. Well, Silver, replied the doctor, if that is so, I'll go one step further. Look out for the squalls when you find it. Sir, said Silver, as between man and man, that's too much and too little. What you're after? Why you left that blockhouse? Why you've given me that shot? I don't know now, do I? Yeah, I done your bit with my eyes shut, never word of hope. But no, this here's too much. If you don't tell me what you mean plain out, just say so and I'll leave the helm. No, said the doctor musingly. I've no right to say more. It's not my secret, you see, Silver. Or I give you my word, I tell you. But I go so far as with you as I dare go and a step beyond, for I have my wig sorted by the captain, or I'm mistaken. First, I give you a bit of hope, Silver. If we both get out of this wolf trap alive, I'll do my best to save you short of perjury. Silver's face was radiant. You couldn't say more, I'm sure, sir. Not if you was my mother, he cried. Well, that's my first concession, added the doctor. My second is a piece of advice. Keep the boy close beside you, and when you need help, hello. I'm off to seek it for you, and if, uh, and that itself will show you that if I speak out random. Goodbye, Jim. And Dr. Livesey shook hands with me through the stockade, nodded the silver, and set off at a brisk pace toward the wood. Mmm. It looks like, uh, looks like some shit is finally popping off. Let's get, let's get going. So, I've been watching this new show on, um, Disney Plus... Well, not new show. New to me. It's been... I think it's done. Um, I think? I think. Let me just check this real quick. Um, while I'm Googling this, just ignore the sound of me typing in the background. Um, but it's called Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Or, yeah, the Forces of Evil. Uh, relatively kids show, kind of... Yeah, it ended on May 19th, um, 2019. So, it ended last year. And, um... It is, uh, so far it reminds me a lot of, um, um, Steven Universe. It's, it's fairly slice of lifey. Um, a lot of, a lot of jokes in
1: there that are, I think, funnier, um, to an older audience than, I'm not sure what it's designed for. I don't know
0: what age group. It says Disney XD. Um, Yes, so probably like middle school would be my guess. I'm not entirely sure, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good so far. First season only has um 13 episodes, and then the other seasons have like over 20. Um, but I'm, I'm liking it so far. The the show centers around um these names are fucking great by the way. Uh, the it centers around Star Butterfly, who's like a princess from this other world uh and she's sent to earth because she's like super rambunctious um i guess in order for her to like practice her magic and get a handle on things um and she meets uh her her human human bud marco diaz who is um a pretty likable character i think that's probably the best thing to say for it is that like the main characters are all pretty likable and it's like uh it's very low stakes which is what i described um sonic as like it's just kind of like it's like a nice kind of not mindless show um there's like in my head like a mindless show makes my head hurt after a while because i'm just not getting anything out of it um when i was younger i used to watch boomerang when i was like homesick because it was a mindless show but i would watch boomerang for like four hours You know, just sick on the couch, high fever, just, like, drinking ginger ale or whatever. And, um, my head would hurt. Probably because I was drinking ginger ale, but I've always associated, like, kind of, like, sick headache with Boomerang. Because, like, God, those, the the plots of those shows were never, like, very... Intense or very like high, you know. It's just kind of like, oh no, looks like Mr. Magoo doesn't have a coin for the car wash. I dropped it in the gutter, and he like walks across the street, and cars squeal, and it's like, I got the coin back, and that's the end of the show. It's very, it's very low stakes, and um, I know from just existing that um, this show like progresses to a pretty interesting degree like in the beginning it's very slice of life but later on it becomes um more plot driven and i'm excited to watch it change just like steven universe steven universe started out pretty slice of life um but then it uh, devolved into some some more plot driven stuff but unlike um steven universe which takes a couple of fucking episodes to kind of get going with the plot. I mean, I can't say that Star versus the Force of Evil has gotten going with a plot yet. I'm only like 5-6 episodes in. And it's all still life, slice of life stuff. Um, but there are like I don't know, there's there's little subtle things here and there that I think gives the gives the show hope for having like a lot of potential. And it does a pretty decent job in having uh like other characters introduced. And reoccurring elements and stuff like that. It's just a well put together show. I'm enjoying it. I want to. I wanted to see this show and Gravity Falls on Disney Plus. So I'm finally getting around to watching them. And I wanted to start with this one because it was just like, I ah, it's just, it's just fun. It's just fun to watch. So if you're looking for a new lighthearted, again, it's not new, but if you're looking for a lighthearted show, um, that I think is gonna go some pretty interesting places. Um, this one's, this one's not bad. I will say that the um, supposed friends that Marco has I can't even remember their fucking names but just like there's like these two dudes um who are in uh episodes like every now and then um I'm a I don't they don't really do a whole lot for me um I can't even tell you what their names are cause they're fairly forgettable but the 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 chemistry between Marco and Star and like their their kind of back and forths and interactions are pretty good also the show didn't waste a lot of time with them like not being friends um, it kinda got going right out the gate because it, the the show's just like, well, they're gonna be friends, so li- why are we even fucking around? It's kinda it's kinda similar to like when you start a new D D party and your your players are like, Well, why would I be friends with this person? And then you got me as the DM going like, It's Dungeons and Dragons. Y'all are fuckers are gonna work together because that's what the game's all about. If I'm not I'm like you come up with your own character reasons for all your friends with these people, but this is a fucking game, so shape up or shape out. Um I don't even know what that means. But yeah, Star Versus the Force of Evil is pretty good. And, um, as I'm, as I'm reading chapters for this week's podcast, in fact, um, in between, in between chapters, I'm watching the little like half episode segments. I fucking, I love that style. You know, it's like with like SpongeBob and stuff, it would have like two to three stories per episode. And I was just like, oh, it's like short story TV or anthology based. I know. It just, it's it's nice. And then every now and then it'd be like one story for like the full episode because they're like, nah, this is a good idea that we need to fucking stretch out so didn't happen often but it happened it happened enough so yeah anyway let's move on to the next thing of the podcast you should watch Star vs. the Forces of the Evil it's real good it's real good a lot of great voice actors in the show like like a lot I've, I've heard Rob Paulson I've heard Jeff Bennett the voices for Star and Marco are phenomenal I just I love it it's, it's real it's real good you should watch it next thing in the podcast chapter 31 the treasure hunt Flint's Pointer Jim, Silver said when we were alone. If I saved your life, you save mine. And I'll not forget it. I seen the doctor waving for you to run for it, with the tail of my eye I did, and I seen you say no, as plain as hearing it. Jim, that's one to you. This was the first glint I had since the attack failed, and I owe it to you. And now Jim, we're to go in for this here treasure hunting, with sealed orders too, and I don't like it. You and me must stick close, back to back like, we'll save our necks and spit a fighting fortune. Then, just then, he, a man hailed us from the fire that breakfast was ready, and we were soon seated here and there about the sandover biscuit and fried junk. Jesus. They had lit a fire fit to roast an ox, and it was now grown so hot that they could only approach it from the windward, and even then not without precaution. And the same wasteful spirit they had cooked, I suppose three times more than we could eat, and one of them, with an empty laugh, threw what was left into the fire, which blazed and roared again over this unusual fuel. I never in my life saw men so careless of the morrow. Hand to mouth is the only word that describes their way of doing. And what with wasted food and sleeping sentries, though they were bold enough for a brush and be done with it, I can see their entire unfitness for anything like prolonged campaign. Even Silver, eating away with Captain Flint upon his shoulders, had not a word of blame for their recklessness. And this the more surprised me, for I thought he had never shown himself so cunning as he did then. Oi, mates, he said. It's lucky to have barbecue to think for you uh, with this here head. I got what I wanted, I did. Sure enough, they have the ship. Where. Sorry. Where they have it, I don't know. But once we hit the treasure, we'll have to jump about and find it. And then, mates, us to the boats, I reckon, has the upper hands. Thus, he kept on running with a mouth full of hot bacon. Thus, he restored their hopes and confidence, and I more than suspect repaired his own at the same time. As for hostage, he continued, that's me last talk, I guess, with them he loves so dear. I've got my piece of news, and thank you to him for that. But it's over and done. I'll take him in line when we go treasure hunting, for we'll keep as like as so much gold in many accidents. You mark in the meantime. Once we've got the ship and the treasure both, and off to sea like jolly companions, why well, then we'll take Mr. Hawkins over, we will, and we'll give him his share to be sure, for all his kindness. It was no wonder the men were in good humor now. For my part, I was horribly cast down. Should the scheme he had now sketched prove feasible, Silver, already doubly e a traitor, would not hesitate to adopt it. He still had st- uh, he still had a foot in either camp, and there was no doubt he would prefer wealth and freedom with the pirates to bare escape from hanging, which was the best he could hope for on our side. <gasps> German, you know, I'm going to miss reading this book because, cause just the random Germans. Just the random Germans. I will. I will miss it. You know, it's. It brings a it brings a fair bit of a of a smile to my eye. Oh well, I think you know. I think each book has its own set of um like in jokes. You know, you got like underved with Harry Potter and Ron's an idiot. Uh, with Treasure Island, you got German. Um, and me slapping my chest with every pirate voice. And um, in Aragon, you got me calling Aragon an idiot just like all the fucking time. Um. You know, each book brings something new to the table. Something new to the table. Oh, and the constant typos of the Harry Potter PDFs. Just littered with typos. It was crazy how many typos were in that book. Like, oh man. Anyway. Nay. And even if things so fell out that he was forced to keep his faith with Dr. Livesey, even then, what danger lay before us? What a moment that would have been the suspicions of his followers to turn to certainty, and he and I should have to fight for dear life. He a cripple, and I a boy, against five strong and active seamen. My word, it was, ugh. These seamen were so... ...pregnatable, I don't know. Add, add to this the double apprehension and the mystery that still hung over the behavior of my friends, their unexplained desertion of the stockade, their inexplicable secession of the chart, and harder to find still, the doctor's last warning is over. Look out for squalls when you find it. And you would readily believe how little taste I found in my breakfast, and with how uneasy a heart I set forth behind my captors on their quest for treasure. It's because Ben found it, right? They spoke to Ben, and the doctor was like, You know, you finding Ben was like the best thing you've done since you got here. Till you live to 90, it's the best thing you've done. So Ben found the treasure, relocated the treasure. Silver doesn't know that. They're going to find the treasure. The pirates are going to turn. And then I don't know what happens. But that's, that's my guess. I need to take a quick drink of water here. Anyway. "'We made a curious figure, had anyone been there to see us, "'all the soiled sailor clothes, and all but me armed to the teeth. "'Silver had two guns slung about him, "'one before and one behind, beside the great cutlass at his waist, "'and a pistol in each pocket of a square-tailed coat. "'To complete his strange appearance, Captain Flint sat perched upon his shoulder "'and gabbling odds and ends of purplish sea-talk. "'I had a line about my waist and followed obediently after the sea-cook, "'who held uh, the loose end of the rope now with his free hand, "'now between his powerful teeth. "'For all the world, I was led like a dancing bear.' Feel like you probably uh probably make a break for it there Jim, I don't know how strong the human jaw is but it's probably not that strong anyway. Powerful teeth. The other men were variously uh variously burthened, some carrying picks and shuffles, for there had been the first necessary they brought ashore from the hispaniel other laden with pork and bread and brandy for the midday meal. All the stores I observed came from our stock and I could see the truth of Silver's words uh, the night before. Had he not struck a bargain with the doctor, he and his mutineers deserted by the ship. Must have been driven to subsist on clear water and the proceeds of their hunting. Water, but a little to their taste. Sailor is not usually a good shot, and besides all that, when they were short of eatables, it was not likely they would be very flush of powder. Well, thus equipped, we all set out, even the fellow with the broken head, who should certainly have kept in the shadow, and straggled, one after another, to the breach where the two gigs awaited us. Even these bore traces of the drunken folly of the pirates, one in a broken thwart, both in their muddy and unbaled conditions. Both were to be carried along with us for the sake of safety, and so with numbers divided between them, we set forth upon the bosom of the anchorage. As we pulled over, there was some discussion on the chart. The Red Cross was, of course, far too large to be a guide, and the terms on the note of the back, as you hear, admitted of some ambiguity. They ran, um, the reader may remember, thus. Oh, that's right. Okay, you ready? Here are the here are the instructions on the map once more. Uh <clears throat> Tall tree, spyglass shoulder, bearing a point of north to north-northeast, skeleton island east-southeast, and by east ten feet. A tall tree was thus the principal mark. Now right before us, the anchorage was bound by a plateau of two to three hundred feet high, joining on the north of the sloping southern shoulder of the spyglass, sloping southern shoulder of the spyglass, and rising again towards the south in the rough, cliffy, immense eminence um, called the mizzenmast Hill. Top of the plateau was dotted thickly with pine trees of varying heights. Every here and there, one of a different species rose 40 to 50 feet clear above its neighbors, and which of these was particular tall tree of Captain Flint's could only be decided on the spot and by the readings of the compass. Yet, although that was the case, every man on board the boats had picked a favorite of his own air. We were halfway over, Long John alone shrugging his shoulders and bidding them wait uh, till they were there. We pulled easily by Silver's directions, not to weary the hands prematurely, and quite after a long passage, landed at the mouth of the second river, that which runs down a woody cleft of the spyglass. Then, bending to our left, we began to ascend the slope towards the plateau. At our first outset, heavy, miry ground and matted, marshy vegetation greatly delayed our progress but by little and little the hill began to steepen and became stony underfoot and the wood changed its character and grew in a more open order it was indeed a most pleasant portion of the island that we were now approaching a heavy scented broom and many flowering shrubs had almost taken the place of grass thickets of green nutmeg trees were dotted here and there with red columns in the broad shadow of the pines the first mingled of their spice with aromas of the others the air besides was fresh and stirring this was under sheer sunbeams was a wonderful refreshment to our senses my god that sounds beautiful the party spread itself abroad in a fan shape, spouting, uh, shouting and leaping to and fro. About the center and a good way behind the rest, Silver and I followed. I tethered by my rope, he, he plowing with deep pants among the sliding gravel. From time to time, indeed, I had to lend him a hand, or he must have missed his footing and fallen backward down the hill. We had thus proceeded for half a mile and were approaching the brow of the plateau where a man came upon the farthest left and began to cry aloud as if in terror. Shout after shout came from him, and the others began to run in his direction can't find the treasure said old morgan hurrying past us to the right that's clean top, indeed as we found uh, when we had also reached the spot there was something very different at the foot of this big pretty big pine involved in a green creeper which had even partially lifted some of the smaller bones a human skeleton lay with a few shreds of clothing on the ground i believe a chill struck for a moment in every heart he was a seaman said george Merry, who bolder than the rest had gotten up close and was examining the rags of clothing. leastways this is good sea cloth Ay aye, said Silver. Like enough, you wouldn't find uh, you wouldn't look to find a bishop here, I reckon. But what sort of a way is that for bones to lie? Tight nature. Indeed, on second glance, it seemed impossible to finish that the body was in a natural position, but for some disarray, the work perhaps of birds that had fed upon him, or of the slow growing creeper that gradually enveloped his remains. The man lay perfectly straight, his feet pointing one direction, and his hands raised above his head like a diver's pointing directly in the opposite. I've taken a notion in me, old numskull," observed Silver. Here's the compass there's a tip top pointin' our skeleton on sticking out like a tooth. Just take a bearing you well along the line of them bones. It was done. The body pointed straight in the direction of the island. The compass uh, read duly east south east and by east. I thought so, cried the cook. This here's the pointer. Right up there and as saw line to the pole star and the jolly dollars, but by thunder If I don't if it don't make me cold and start to think of Flint. One of his jokes and no mistake. Him and these six was here alone. He killed em every man. This one he hauled here laid down by compass shiver my timbers. They're long bones and their hair's been yellow. Aye, that would have been Alderice. You mind Alderice, Tom Morgan? Aye, aye, returned Morgan. I mind him. He owed me money, he did, and took me knife ashore with him. Speaking of knives, said another, why don't we find his lying round? Flint want a man to pick a seaman's pockets and the birds, I guess, would be leaving it. By the powers, and that's true, cried some. there anything left here? said Mary, feeling round among the bones. Not a copper die, nor a bassie box. Don't look natural to me. No, by gum, don't, agreed Silver. Not natural. Not too nice, says you. Great guns. Messmates, but if Flint was living, this would have been a hot spot for you and me. Six there weren't, six are we, and the bones is what they are now. I saw him dead with these here deadlights," said Morgan. Billy took me in. There he laid with penny pieces on his eyes. Dead. I oh, sure dead, as, um, sure enough, he's dead and gone below, said the fellow with the bandage. But if ever spirits walk, it would be Flint. Dear hearts, but he died bad, did Flint? Aye, that he did, observed another. Now he's raged, now he's hollered for the rum, and now he's singing 15 men were his only songs, mates, and I'll tell you true. I never rightly liked to hear it since. It was main hot, and the wind was open, and I hear that old song coming out clear and clear, and the death hole on the man already. Come, come, said Silver. Stow this talk. He's dead, and he won't walk. And that I know, at least ways he won't walk by day, and you may later that. can killed kill the cat. Fetch ahead with them, for them doubloons. We started certainly, but in spite of the hot sun and the starting uh staring daylight, the pirates no longer ran separate and shouting through the woods, but kept side by side and spoke with bated breath. The terror of the dead buccaneer had fallen on their spirits. See, Christopher Falcon Paolini, that's how you end a goddamn chapter. Not with you being like, Aragon ate a slice of bread. It's not an end to a chapter. It's just a fucking sentence and you went, yeah, fuck it, that's good enough. That's how you end a goddamn chapter. The terror of the dead buccaneer had fallen on their spirits. That's how you end a fucking chapter. With like a haunting final statement that leaves the reader wondering. And wanting for more. <laughs> chapter 32.
1: Treasure Hunt. Voices Among the Trees. I'm going to read this whole chapter in that voice because it's been a while since I've done that. (coughs) Partly from the dampening influence of this alarm, partly to arrest Silver and the sick folk, the whole party sat down as soon as they had gained the brow of the ascent. The plateau being somewhat tilted toward the west, the spot on which we had paused commanded a wide prospect on either hand. Before us over the treetops, we beheld the Cape of the Woods fringed with surf behind we were not only looked down upon the anchorage and the skeleton island but saw clear across the spit in the eastern lowlands a great open field open field of sea upon the east sheer above us rose the spyglass here dotted with single pines there black with precipices yep and give that there was no sound but that of the distant breakers mounting from all round and the chirp of the countless insects in the brush not a man not a sail upon the sea the very largeness of the view increased the sense of solitude silver there sat took certain bearings with his compass there are three tall trees he said "'Oh,
0: about in the right line from Skeleton Island. Spoil glass shoulder, I take it. "'Means that lower pine tree there. "'It's child's play to find the stuff now. "'I have mine to dine first. "'I don't feel sharp,' growled Morgan. "'Thinking a flint. "'I think it were as done me.' "'Oh, well, me son, you praise your stars. "'He's dead,' said Silver. "'He were an ugly devil,' cried a third pirate with a shudder. "'That blue in his face, too.' "'That was how their arm took him,'
1: added Mary. "'Blue? Why, reckon he was blue?' "'That's true word.' Ever since they had found the skeleton and gotten up, uh, ever since they had found the skeleton, and got upon this train of thought, they had spoken lower and lower, and they had almost got to whispering by now, so that, th- oh, almost just vomited all over my keyboard. Ah-ha. so that the sound of their talk hardly interrupted the silence of the wood. All of a sudden, out of the middle of the trees in front of us, a thin, high, trembling voice struck up the well-known air and words. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest.
0: Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. I've never seen men more dreadfully affected than the pirates. The color went from their six faces like enchantment. Some left to their feet. Some clawed hold the other. Flint groveled on the ground. Or Morgan groveled on the ground, rather. It's Flint, by! Cried Merritt. The song had stopped as suddenly as it had begun. Broken off, you would have said. In the middle of a note, as though someone had laid his hand upon the singer's mouth coming through the clear, sunny atmosphere among the green true-trops. I thought it had German. It sounded airily and sweet, and the effect of my companions was the stranger. Come, since I was struggling with ashen lips to get the word out. This won't do. Stand by to go about. This is a rum start, and I can't name the voice, but it's someone skylarking, Someone that's flesh and blooded. You may lay to that. His courage. I'd come back as he spoke, and some of the color to his face along with it. Already the others had begun to lend an ear to this encouragement, and coming with a little to themselves, when the same voice broke out again. Not this time singing, but a faint distant hail that echoed yet fainter among the clefts of the spyglass. Darby McGraw. It railed, uh, for that um, is the word that best describes the sound. Darby McGraw. Darby
1: McGraw.
0: Again and again and again, and then raising a little higher with an oath that I'd leave out fetch after the drum Darby. the buccaneers remained rooted to the ground their eyes staring above from their heads long after the voice died away They stared in silence dreadfully before them that fixes it guess one let's go they were his last words moaned morgan his last words above board dick had had his bible and was praying volubly he had been well brought up had dick before he came to see and fell among bad companions still silver was not unconquered i could hear his teeth rattle in his head but he had not yet surrendered "'Nobody in this here island ever heard of Darby,' he muttered. "'Not one of us, but, um, not one but us that here.'" And then making great efforts. "Shipmates," he cried. "'I'm here to get that stuff, and I'll not be beat by man or devil. "'I would never was feared of in life, and by the powers I'll face them dead. There's 700,000 pounds, not a quarter of a mile from here. "'When did ever a gentleman of fortune show his stern to that much dollars "'by a boozy old seaman with a blue mug? "'And him dead too.'" Well, there was no sign of reawakening courage in his followers, rather, indeed, of growing terror at the irreverence of his words. "'Play there, John,' said Mary. "'Don't you cross the spirit!' And the rest were all too terrified to reply. They would have run away severely had they dared, but fear kept them together and kept them close by John, as if his daring helped them. He, on his part, had pretty well fought in his weakness down. "'Spirit, well, my buddy,' he said. "'There's one thing not clear to me. There was an echo. Now, no man ever seen a spirit with a shadow.' Well, then, what's he doing with an echo to him? I should like to know. That ain't nature, surely. This argument seemed, weak, seemed weak enough to me. But you never can tell what will affect the superstitious, and I my wonder, George Mayer was greatly relieved. That's so, he said. You have a head upon your shoulders, John, and no mistake. Bad shit, mates. Um, uh, this here crew is on the wrong tack, I do believe. Come to think of it, it was, uh, it was like Flint's voice, I grant you. Just not so clear away like it after, like. It was someone like a someone else's voice now. It was like a. By the power! "'Ben Gunn roared Silver. "'I oh, saw so it were!' cried Morgan, springing to his knees. "'Ben Gun it were!' "'It don't take much odds to do it now,' said Dick. "'Ben Gunn's not here in the body anymore, Flint!' But the older hands greeted remark with scorn. "'Well, nobody minds Ben Gunn? cried Mary. "'Dead or alive, nobody minds him!' "'It was extraordinary how their spirits had returned "'and how their natural colour had revived in their faces.' Soon they're chatting together with intervals of listening not long after it's hearing no further sound. They shouldered the tools and set forth again, Mary walking first with Silver's compass to keep them on the right line with Skeleton Island. He had said the truth, dead or alive. Nobody minded Ben Gunn. Dick alone still held his Bible and looked around him as he went uh with fearful glances, but he found no sympathy, and Silver even joked on his precautions. I told you, he said, I told you, you had spilt, uh, or sp- spilled? Spilled. I told you I'd spilled your Bible. "'If it ain't no good to swear by, what do you suppose the spirit would give for it?' "'Not that!' he said, snapped his big fingers, halting a moment on his crutch. "'But Dick was not to be comforted. Indeed, it was soon plain to me that the lad was falling sick, "'hastened by heat, exhaustion, and the shock of his alarm. "'The fever, predicted by Dr. Lucia, was evidently growing swiftly higher. "'It was fine open walking here uh, upon the summit. "'Our way uh, lay a little downhill, for as I have said, the plateau tilted toward the west.' And the pines great and small grew wide apart and even between the clumps of nutmeg and azalea wide open spaces baked in the hot sunshine striking as we did pretty near northwest across the island we drew on one hand even nearer under the shoulders of the spyglass and on the other looking even wider over that western bay where i had once tossed and trembled in the oracle i thought it was uh, it's not called an oracle once tossed and trembled in the oracle it was a it was a coracle wasn't it like a yeah a coracle it's misspelled here as oracle um but it was a coracle which is it's the same word just with the c in front of it so that's a typo in the pdf I'm guessing pretty confident in that um the first of the tall trees was reached by the bearings proved uh the wrong one so with the second and the third nearly 200 feet in the air above a clump of underwood a giant of a vegetable with a red column as big as a cottage and a wide shadow around in which a company could have maneuvered. It was conspicuous far to see both on the east and west and might have been entered as a sailing mark upon the chart. What is not the size that now impressed my companions, it was the knowledge that 700,000 pounds in gold lay somewhere be- be- below its spreading shadows. So Flint buried the treasure beneath the redwood? That's ballsy um, and kind of cool. The thought of the money as they drew nearer swallowed up their previous terrors. Their eyes burned in their heads. Their feet grew speedier and lighter. Their whole soul was found upon that unfortunate that whole lifetime of extravagance and pleasure, and lay waiting for each of them there. Silver hobbled, grunting on his crutch, his nostrils stood out and quivered. He cursed like a madman when the fly settled on his hot and shiny countenance. He plucked furiously at the line that held me to him, from time to time turned his eyes upon me with a deadly look. Certainly he took no pains to hide his thoughts, and certainly I read them like print. In the immediate nearness of the gold, all that's been forgotten. His promise and the doctor's warnings were both things of the past, and I could in no doubt I could no doubt that he hoped to seize upon the treasure find and board the Hispaniola under cover night, cut every honest throat about the island, and sail away as he had first intended, laden with his crimes and riches. Shaken as I was with these alarms, it was hard for me to keep up with the rapid pace of the treasure hunters. Now and again, I stumbled, and it was that um, then that Silver plucked so roughly at the rope and launched me at his murder, uh, launched at me his murderous glances. Uh, Dick, who had dropped behind us now and brought up the rear, was babbling to himself, both prayers and curses, as his fever, fever kept rising this also added to my wretchedness and to crown it all i was haunted by the thought of the tragedy that once acted on this plateau when that ungodly buccaneer with the blue face he who died at savannah singing and shouting for drink had there with his own hand cut down six accomplices this grove that was now so peaceful must have then rung with cries i thought and even with the thought i could believe i heard it ringing still we are now at the margin of the thicket huzzah mates all together shouted mary Ah, in the foremost, broke into a run. Then suddenly, not ten yards further, we beheld uh, them stop. A low cry arose. Silver doubled his pace, digging away with the foot of his crutch like one possessed. Next moment, he and I had also come to a dead halt. Before us was a great excavation, not very recent, for the sides had fallen in and grass sprouted at the bottom. In this were the shaft of a pick broken in two, and boards of several packing cases strewn around us. One of these boards I saw branded with a hot iron named The Walrus, in the name of Flint Ship. All was clear to probation. The cash had been found and rifled. The 700,000 pounds were gone. Oh, shit, someone got to the treasure first. And I think the next chapter is the last one. Pretty sure. Damn. Damn. So this past weekend, I went out and saw a brand new musical that was making its debut on the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, and it was called Bliss. Unfortunately, despite the fact that I'm about to tell you this is a pretty good musical and that you should go see it, this was the final show of its Seattle-based run. I have absolutely no idea if they're about to launch into like a national tour, um, but if they are, I'd recommend you go see this particular musical. And just to give you an idea of what the plot was all about, uh, essentially, it was uh, four sister princesses who have been, so, I mean, if you've heard this before, locked in a tower uh, for the last 10 years of their life um, in response to the death of their mother. Um, they were highly educated in the tower, eventually find a way out of the tower and um, discover the world beyond their uh, closed door. And uh, they go on. I don't particularly know how to describe it. Basically, they hear of a ball and prince and this fairy godfather comes around and basically tells them that if they marry the prince the that can be a platform for them to do whatever they want um, but in order for them to marry the prince they've got to become the perfect princess step inside my magic water and you will become the perfect princess they call it dipping which is just weird phrasing um, three of the sisters say no one of the sisters says yes becomes the perfect princess um goes on to like Mary the prince and it all kind of like yada yada yadas she discovers that she was perfect uh to begin with individualism is the way to go everybody learns a happy lesson and the whole thing ends magically and it's it, it does most of what it uh is shooting for really well um the the core message of uh personal power um being true to yourself um self-confidence self-esteem you know you're perfect the way you are you don't have to change a thing all of those wonderful messages are done very well in the um in the musical there were a couple of sticking points i won't go into detail um about uh some of the some of the ways that its message gets a little uh muddy in its delivery mechanisms because by and large it doesn't really matter uh, the, the the message of, of all those things I just listed is told very well in the musical the songs were very good um, while some of the characters fall into some very well-trafficked character archetypes um, I actually think that did the musical a favor because these characters were falling into fairly well-known character archetypes it made the characters a lot more memorable Because in a musical that has four main characters, it can get a little hazy in terms of who's the most important and who is who and all that stuff. It was not the issue with this musical. Because each character was developed really strongly, um, right at the gate, you knew what these characters were about and what made them different from their sisters, like instantly. And that is really good character work in order for them to sell that message right out the gate. Um, I made a lot of guesses about where the musical was going to go before it began because all of the um, advertising material I've read before we actually witnessed the musical said that it was a princess story, uh, the likes of which you've never seen. You know, it's going to it's going to be twists and turns and it's 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 a brand new princess story. and You've never seen it before. And I suppose in this very particular package, if I were to get really specific about it, sure, I've never seen this exact princess story before. Fair. I've seen all of the elements that this princess story utilized done in other media, but that's not really a mark against the musical. That's just a mark of, there's a fuck ton of media in the world and it's impossible to write a truly unique story anymore. It's all gonna be pulled from somewhere. You're it's just the only difference nowadays is how you blend it all together. You know? How you how you how you take all these different inspirational points and bring it all together. And you know, I could look at Aragon as as an example of how not to do it, because it's such a blatant rip of all these better source materials. And I don't think Bliss is a bet like I think Bliss is very good on its own and i do think it is greater than the sum of its parts because if i think to the stories that it takes inspiration from i think it does what those story does in a better package so yeah you know what it it, it is one of the one of the better princess stories um perhaps that is me being more uh familiar with like say like the disney movies and their princess tropes and just kind of um having moved on from that point in a in the 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 methodologies and what those stories are all about there's a very large portion of this movie dedicated to like eight other princesses all of whom dipped into the like the magic water to make themselves perfect um and that whole scenario uh was really upsetting um to witness it and this essentially this like brainwashed um, individual who lost all sense of self and just became one of this matched set of all these other fucking people and is just, you know, it's supposed to upset you because it is upsetting. And now that, like, classic princess trope of, like, oh, my true love has come to save me and, you know, you need a man to make your dreams come true and all that shit. It was just, like... The fact that it it was the more, like... Well, not politically correct. I don't like the term politically correct because it is just straight up like the right thing to do. You know? Saying it's politically correct makes the theme like, oh, well, you know, with today's sensibilities, it is technically correct. And I'm like, no, it's just the way it fucking should be. It's not politically correct. It's just correct. You know, it's just right. You don't need a fucking man to do shit. Like, that that part really got me. Where she was like, I'm gonna have, um, like, ogre pride parades and raise the literacy rate of trolls. And the Fairy Godfather goes, you're gonna need a prince to do that. And I'm like, no, she fucking doesn't. No, no, no. But I, that's the point of the musical. So, it did its job well. And I, I would recommend it. I wish I could say you could, like, listen to the soundtrack on Spotify. But since this was, like, it's its only thing... I'm pretty sure you can't, but let me check real quick. Bliss, the musical. Let's try that. Give Spotify a second to wake up and actually look up for what I'm what I'm looking for. Uh, doesn't look like it. Doesn't appear to be on Spotify. Let me just do a quick Google search here. The musical soundtrack. Um, let's see here. Uh, doesn't look like it uh, you might be able to hear it on YouTube
1: just gotta check
0: this real quick by turning my speakers off Bliss Soundtrack track list um, nope that's um, that's something else completely anyway yeah it's really good and if you ever get the chance to see it I would highly recommend it but for now let us listen to more fantastic chapters of Treasure Island All right, this isn't the last chapter. There's another chapter after this. anyway. Chapter Thirty-Three: The Fall of a Chieftain. There never was such an overturn in this world. Each of these six men was as though he had been struck. But with Silver, the blow passed almost instantly. Every thought of his soul had been set full stretch like a racer on that money. Well, he was brought up in a single second, dead. And he kept his head, found his temper, changed his plan before the others had time to realize the disappointment. Jim, he whispered, take that and stand by for trouble he passed me a double barrel pistol and at the same time he began quietly moving northward and in a few steps he had the hollow between us and uh, us two and the other five and then looked at me and nodded as much as to say here's a narrow um here is a narrow corner as indeed he thought it was his looks were not uh, quite friendly so i and uh, w- I, I was so revolted at these constant changes that i could not forbear whispering so you've changed sides again there was no time left for him to answer, and the buccaneers, with oaths and cries, began to leap one after another into the pit and dig with their fingers. Throwing boards aside, as they did so. Morgan found a piece of gold. He held it up with the perfect spout of oaths. It was a uh, two-guinea piece, and it went from hand to hand among the others in a quarter of a minute. Two guineas! Mary shaking his head, silver. That's your 700,000 pounds, is it? You're a man for bargains, ain't you? You're him that never bungled nothing, you wooded head and lover. Alright, um, also, just because this thought crossed my mind, I want to know... How much 700,000 pounds was when this book was written? 700,000 pounds. Uh, let's see, in today's currency, that is 906,000 American dollars. Um. Uh, when, was this, uh, when was this book written?
1: Treasure Island book
0: written when? Uh, 1881. So I want 700,000 pounds of dollars in 1881, when the book came out. Uh, do, 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 do. Well, I can I can give us how much 700,000 pounds was in the year 1800, 1881. I think. Well, here on let's try 1881. Calculate. Um, is about 85 million pounds. Um, yeah, about 85 million pounds, which uh yes so jesus christ so um it's 85.6 million pounds two dollars uh it's about 110 110 million dollars um yeah 110 million dollars by today's by today's standards that is a hefty fucking sum if you found buried treasure that was worth 110 million dollars jesus I wonder why 700,000 pounds was the was the figure that Stevenson used. I don't know. I don't know, but that is, um... That's a lot of money. That's... That's a lot of money. It's not nothing. Definitely not nothing.
1: <sighs> <sighs>
0: <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> Sleepy. You're a man for bogs, ain't you? You're a man that never bungled nothing you would have had to love it. Dig away, boys! So said with the coolest insolence. You'll find some pig nuts and I shouldn't wonder. to and nuts!' Re- screamed Mary a, re- repeated Mary in a scream. "'Maze, do you hear that? I tell you now, that man that knew it all along. "'Look him in the face, and you'll see it wrote there!' "'Oh, Mary!' remarked Silver. "'Stand for Capman again, you're a pushing lad to be sure!' "'But this time everyone was entirely in Mary's favor, They began to scramble out of the excavation, darting furious glances behind them. "'One thing I observed, which looked well for us, "'they all got out upon the opposite side from Silver. "'Well, there we stood, two on one side, five on the other, "'the pit between us, and nobody screwed up high enough to offer the first blow.' Silver never moved. He watched them very upright and scratched, looking as cool as ever I saw him. He was brave and no mistake. Asmere seemed to think a speech might help matters. Mates, he said, there's two of them alone there. One an old cripple that brought us all here and blinded us down to this. The other's that cub that I mean to have the heart of. German. Now, mates, he was raising his arm in his voice and plainly meant to lead the charge. But just then, crack, crack, crack three musket shots flashed out of the thicket mary tumbled head foremost in the excavation the man with the bandage spun round like a teetotum and fell all his length upon his side where he lay dead but still twitching the other three turned and ran for it with all their might before he could wink long john had fired two barrels of a pistol into the struggling mary as the man rolled up his eyes at him in the last agony george he said i reckon i settled you at the same moment the doctor gray and ben Gunn joined us with smoking muskets for among the nutmeg trees forward cried the doctor double quick my lads we must head them off at the boats and we set off at a great pace some plunging through the brush at the chest I tell you but silver was anxious to keep up with us the work that man went through leaping on his crutch till the muscles of his chest were fit to burst was no work now um was work no sound man ever equals? and so thinks the doctor and it was as he was already 30 yards behind us on the verge of strangling um straggling yeah when we reached the brow of the slopes doctor he yelled, see there no hurry sure enough there was no hurry in the more open part of the plateau we could see the three survivors still running in the same direction as they had started right for the mizzenmast hill we we're already beat we had already beaten them and the uh the boats and so we four sat down to breathe while wrong john mopping his face came slowly up with us thank you kindly doctor he said you came in at about the nick of Tom, i guess for me and hawkins and so it's you ben Gunn," he added well you're a nice one to be sure um uh, what was ben Gunn's voice i can't even remember I'm Ben Gunn I am replied the maroon wriggling like an eel on his embarrassment and he yeah, added after a long pause, how do Mr. Silver pretty well I think yeah says you Ben Ben Mother says, to think as you've done me um the doctor sent back Gray for one of the pickaxes deserted in their flight by the mutineers and then we proceeded to leisurely downhill to where the boats were lying uh related in a few words uh, what had taken place it was a story that profoundly intru- interested Silver and Ben Gunn the half idiot maroon was the hero from the beginning to the end And I'm going to do my cool deep voice for this part
1: again. Ben, in his long, lonely wanderings about the island, had found the skeleton. It was he that rifled it. He had found the treasure. He had dug it up. It was was the haft of his pickaxe that lay broken in the excavation.
0: He had carried it on his back in many weary journeys from the foot of the tall pine to a cave he had on a two-pointed hill at the northeast angle of the island. And there it lay stored in safety since two months before the arrival of the Hispaniola. When the doctor had wormed this secret from him on the afternoon of the attack, when the next morning he saw the anchorage deserted, he had gone to Silver, given him the chart which was now useless, given him the stores for Ben Gunn's cave was well supplied with goat's meat salted by himself, given anything and everything to get a chance of moving in safely from the stockade to the two-pointed hill. There to be clear of malaria and keep a guard upon the money. As for you, Jim, he said, went against my heart, but I did what I thought best for those who stood by their duty. And if you were not one of these, whose fault was it? That morning, finding um, that I had, was to be involved in the horrid disappointment he had prepared for the mutineers, he had run all the way to the cave and leaving the squire to guard the captain had taken gray and taken Grand the maroon and started making diagonally or diagonal across the island to be at hand beside the pine. Soon, however, he saw that our party had the start of him, and Ben Gunn, being fleet of foot, had dispatched in front to do his best alone. Then it occurred to him to work up the superstitions of his former shipmates, and he was so far successful that Graham and the Doctor had come up and were already ambushed before the arrival of the treasure hunters. Interesting. Ah, oh, said Silver, it were fortunate to me that I had Hawkins here. He would have let old Lord John be cut to bits, and never given a thought, Doctor. Not a thought, replied Dr. Livesey cheerily. By this time we have reached the gigs. The Doctor with the pickaxe demolished one of them, and we all got aboard the other and set round the island by sea for the north inlet. It was a run of eight, mi- eight or nine miles. Silver, though, uh, he was almost killed already with fatigue. set to an oar like the rest of us, and we were soon skimming swiftly over a smooth sea. Soon we passed out of the Straits and doubled to the southeast corner of the island, round which, four days ago, we had towed the Hispaniola. After we passed the two-pointed hill, we could see the black mouth of Ben Gunn's cave and a figure standing in it, leaning on a musket. It was the Squire! And we waved a handkerchief and gave him three cheers, in which the voice of Silver joined as heartily as any. Three miles further, just inside the mouth of the North Inlet, what should we meet but the Hispaniola cruising by herself? The last flight had lifted to her, and had there been much wind or strong tide current, as in the South Ingrid, uh, we would have found her. Uh, would never have found her more, or found her stranded beyond help. As it was, there was a little mist beyond the wreck of the mainsail. Another anchor uh, was uh, was got ready and dropped in a, fathom, uh, in a fathom and a half of water. We all pearled round again to Rum Cove, the nearest port for Ben Gunn's treasure house, and then Gray single-handed uh, returned with the gig to the Hispaniola, where he was to pass the night on guard. A gentle slope ran up from the beach to the entrance of the cave, at the top of the, uh, the Squire of Meadows. To me, he was cordial and kind, saying nothing of my escapade, either in the way of blame or praise. At Silver's polite salute, he was somewhat flustered. Um, oh, what was the what was his voice? I think it was old, wasn't it? John Silver, He said, "You are a prodigious villain and impostor, a monstrous impostor, sir. I'm told I'm not to prosecute you. Well, then I will not. But the dead men, sir, hang about your neck like millstones." Thank you, kindly, sir," replied Long John, again saluting. "I dare you to thank me." Uh, "I dare you to thank me!" cried the squire. "It is a gross dereliction of my duty. Stand back." And thereupon we all entered the cave. It was a large, airy place with a little spring and a pool of clear water, overhung with ferns. Oh, that's nice! The floor was sand. Before a big fire lay Captain Smollett and in the far corner, only duskily flickered over the blaze. I beheld a great heap of coins, and quadrilaterals built of bars of gold. That was Flint's treasure that we had come so far to seek. That had cost already the lives of seventeen men from the Hispaniola. How many had cost in the amassing? What blood and sorrow! What good ships scuttled in the of the deep? What brave men walking the blank blind, or the plank blindfold, what shot of a cannon, what shame, lies, and cruelty, perhaps no man alive could tell. Yet there were still upon the that island Silver and Old Morgan and Ben Gunn, who had each taken his share in these crimes, as each had hoped in vain to share in the reward. "'Come in, Jim,' said the captain. "'You're a good boy in your line, Jim, but don't think you and me will go to sea again. You're too much of a born favorite for me. Is that you, John Silver? What brings you here, man?' Come back to my duty, sir, returned Silver. Nah, said the captain, and that was all he said. What a supper i had had of that night with all my friends around me, and what a meal it was, with Ben Gunn's salted goat and some delicacies and a bottle of old wine from the Hispaniola. Never, I am sure, were people gayer or happier. And there was Silver, sitting back almost out of the firelight, beating heartily, prompt to spring forward with anything uh, when anything was wanted, even joining quietly in our laughter, the same bland, polite, obsequious seaman of the voyage out. One chapter to go. And Treasure Island is done. Gonna miss this story. Chapter 34. And last. That's what it's called. It's called And Last. (laughs) The next morning we fell early to work for the transportation of the great mass of gold near a mile by land to the beach. And thence three miles by boat to the Hispaniola was a considerable task for so small a number of workmen the three fellows still abroad upon the island did not greatly trouble us. A single sentry on the shoulder of the hill was sufficient to ensure us against any sudden onslaught. and we thought besides that they had had more than enough of fighting. Therefore the work began uh, the work was pushed on briskly. Gray and Ben Gunn came and went with German the boat while the rest during their absence piled treasure on the beach. Two of the bars slung with a uh, in a rope's end made a good load for a grown man. One um, that he was glad to walk slowly with. For my part, as I was not much use at carrying, I was kept all day, um, busy all day, in the cave packing the minted money into bread bags. Nice. It was a strange collection. Like Billy Bones' hoard for the diversity of coinage, but so much larger and so much more varied than I'd ever think, uh, uh, than I... More varied than I think. I never had more pleasure than in sorting them. English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Georges and Louises, doubloons and double guineas, and mordors and sequins, the pictures of all of the kings of Europe of the last 100 years. Strange oriental pieces stamped with what looked like wisps of strings or bits of spider webs. Round piece and square piece, these pieces that bored through the middle, as if to wear them round your neck. Nearly every variety of money in the world must, I think, have found a place in that collection and for n- number. I ensured that they were like autumn leaves, so that my back ached with stooping, my fingers with sorting them. Day after day, this work went, but by every evening, a fortune had been stowed aboard. But there was another fortune waiting uh, for the Mara. And all this time, we heard nothing of the three surviving mutineers. At last—I think it was on the third night. The doctor and I were strolling on the shoulder of the hill, where it overlooks the lowland and the isle, when, from out of the thick darkness below, the wind brought us a noise between shrieking and singing. It was only a snatch that reached our ears, followed by a former silence um heavens forgive them said the doctor tis the mutineers all drunk sir um all drunk sir struck uh, in the voice of silver from minus silver i should say was allowed his entire liberty and in spite of daily rebuffs seemed to regard himself once more as quite a privileged and a friendly dependent indeed it was remarkable how well he bore these slights and with what unwaring politeness he kept on trying to ingratiate himself with all yet I think none treated him better than a dog unless it was Ben Gunn who was still terribly afraid of his old quartermaster or myself who really, who had really something to thank him for although for that matter I suppose I had reason to think even the worse of him than anybody else for I had seen him meditating a fresh treachery upon the plateau accordingly it was pretty gruffly that the doctor answered him drunk or raving he said right you are sir replied Silver and precious little odds which to you and me Suppose you would hardly um you would hardly ask me to call you a hum- a humane uh, a humane man. Yes, that's that's what that sentence is all about, returned the doctor with a sneer. And so my feelings may surprise you, Master Silver. But if I were sure they were raving, and I am morally certain one, um, at least of them is down with fever, I should leave this camp and at whatever risk of my own carcass, take them the assistance of my skill. Ask your pardon, sir, you would be very wrong, quoth Silver. You will lose precious life, and you may lay to that. I'm on your side now, hand in glove. And I shouldn't wish for, uh, to see the party week and let alone yourself. Seeing as I know what I owes you. Well, these men down here, they couldn't keep their word. No, not supposing they wished to. And what more, they couldn't believe as could you, as you could. No, said the doctor. You're the man to keep your word. We know that. Well, that was about the last news we had of the three pirates. <laughs> Silver's like, no, they're just fucking drunk. And the doctor's like, no, they're mad with fever. And Jim goes... Well, that's about all we had from those three pirates. Only once we heard a gunshot a great way off and supposed them to be hunting. A council was held and was decided that we must desert them on the island. To the huge glee, I must say, of Ben Gunn and with the strong approval of Gray, we left a good stock of powder and shot the bulk of the sea goat, a few medicines and some other necessaries, tools, clothing, a spare sale, a fathom or two of rope, and by the particular desires of the doctor, a handsome present of tobacco. And in case you're wondering, a fathom is six feet. I'm pretty sure. So that's, uh, six to twelve feet of rope, which is, um... By large, pretty useless. Uh, I mean, you can't can't do much with twelve feet of rope. I'm just now double checking um, that I'm correct. It is a fathom. Yeah, one fathom is two yards, so six feet. Um, that is a. Uh, I was correct. A fathom is six feet. So, just just so you know, most average swimming pools are anywhere between one and two fathoms deep. That's a it's a fun fact for you. Um, and it's a lot more. Uh, useful than a league, which, as we have previously discussed, is um about three miles. Anyway. And so when they were twenty thousand leagues under the sea, they're really fucking far down there. That was about the last uh doing on the island. Before that, we had got the treasure stowed and had shipped enough water and the remainder of the goat meat in case any distress. And last, one fine morning we weighed anchor, which was about all we could manage, and stood out of the northern inlet, the same colors flying that the captain flown and fought under at the palisade the three men must have been watching us closer than we thought for as uh, soon had for we soon had proved for coming through the narrows we had to lie very near the southern point and there we saw all three of them kneeling together on the spit of sand with their arms raised in supplication it went to all our hearts I think to leave them in that wretched state but we cannot risk another mutiny to take them home from the giblet would have been a cruel sort of kindness the doctor hailed them and told them of the stories we had left and where they they, uh, would find them but they continued to call us by name and appeal to us for god's sake to be merciful and not leave them to die in such a place at last seeing the ship still bore on her course and was now swiftly drawing out of earshot one of them i knew not which it was leapt to his feet with a hoarse cry whipped his musket from his shoulders and sent a shot whistling over silver's head and through the mainsail after that we kept undercover the bulwarks and when next i looked out um they had disappeared from the spit and the spit itself almost melted out of sight in the growing distance that was at least the end of it and before noon my inex- inexpressible joy the highest rock of treasure island had sunk into the blue round of the sea we were so short of men that everyone on board had to bear a hand only the captain lying on a mattress in the stern giving his orders and uh for though greatly recovered he was still in want of quiet we laid our head for the nearest port in spanish america for we could not risk the voyage home without fresh hands and as was uh what with the baffling winds and a couple of fresh gales, we were all worn out before we reached it it was just at sundown when we cast anchor in the most beautiful landlocked gulf and we were immediately surrounded by a shore boat full of people selling fruit and vegetables and offering to die for bits of money. Sorry, those it's not it's not great words. They're not great words. I'm just gonna blow past it. Um we're just gonna call it people. The set of so many good humored faces from these people, the taste of tropical fruits, and above all the lights that had begun to shine in the town made a most charming contrast to our dark and bloody sojourn on the island and the doctor and the squire taking me along with them went ashore to pass the early part of the night here they met the captain of an english man of war fell in talk with him went aboard his ship and in short had uh, so agreeable a time that the day was breaking when we came alongside the Hispaniola. ben gunn was on deck alone and as soon as we came aboard he began with wonderful contortions to make us a confession silver was gone the maroon had connived connived and his escape in a shore boat some hours ago, and now he assured us that he had only done it so to preserve our lives, which would certainly have been forfeit if that man with the one leg had stayed aboard. But this was not all. The sea cook had not gone empty-handed. He had cut through the bull head unobserved and removed one of the sacks of coins uh, worth perhaps three to four hundred guineas to help him in his further wanderings. I think we were all pleased to be so cheaply quit of him. Well, there goes Long John, I guess. Pretty, uh... Huh. I'm going to do a... Gonna, well, actually, I'm not going to remember. So, the character of Long John, like... I don't know what I what I think of it, to be honest. Like, he he kept flipping back and forth between Mutineer and on the side of Good, and in the end, he just kind of runs off in the night with not even... Not a whole lot of, like... So much as, how's your father? You know, he's just, he's just gone. That's it. That's the end of his story. I think. We'll find out here pretty soon, but it's just like I don't know. Seems just such an abrupt end, Um, especially with how pivotal a character he is to this story, and like in movies and stuff. Long John Silver is just like such a such a character, and I feel like in the original text, like I don't know, he's he's smart and capable, but it's just kind of like he's just gone. He just ran, and that's it. I don't know. Interesting. Well, to make a long story short, we got a few hands on board and made a good cruise home, and the Hispaniola reached Bristol just as Mr. Blandley was beginning to think fitting out her consort. Uh, five only of those who had sailed returned with her. Drinking the devil had done for the rest with a vengeance, although, to be sure, we were not quite in so bad a case as the other ship they sang about. With one man of her crew alive, what put to sea with seventy-five. All of us had an ample share of the treasure and used it wisely or foolishly according to our natures. Captain Smollett is now retired from the sea. Gray not only saved his money, but began sudden, but being suddenly smit with the desire to rise, also studied his profession, and is now mate and part owner of a fine full-rigged ship. Married besides, and the father of a family. As for Ben Gunn, he got a thousand pounds, which he spent or lost in three weeks, or to be more exact, in nineteen days, for he was back to begging on the twentieth. Then he was given a lodge to keep, exactly as he feared upon the island, and he and he still lives a great favorite though something of a butt with the country boys and notable singers in the church on sundays and saints days of silver we heard no more that formidable sea-faring man with one leg has at last gone clean out of my life but i dare say he met his old negress and perhaps still lives in comfort with her and captain flint it is to be hoped so i suppose for his chances of comfort in another wor- world are very small the bar of silver and the arms still lie for all i know where flint buried them and certainly they shall lie there for me oxen and Wayne ropes would not bring me back again to that accursed island and the worst dreams that ever I have are when I hear the surf booming along its coasts or start upright in bed with the sharp voice of Captain Flint still ringing in my ears pieces of eight pieces of eight the end and that's and that's Treasure Island we did it we, we read this book from from bow to stern to use the nautical parlance quite the quite the sailor now I think uh Think you'll find I could read Moby Dick and understand everything they're talking about. But I won't read Moby Dick because Moby Dick is fucking enormous and... God damn. That's just... No. no no Probably not. But I hope you enjoyed Treasure Island. Um, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I don't think it read as cleanly as A Christmas Carol. Um, there were a lot more stumbling of words. A lot of unnecessary commas in Stevenson's writing. Like, I blew past a lot of them, not doing the whole pause thing, but... If you actually read this book, I think the most common piece of punctuation is the comma or the apostrophe with all the pirates, like, leaving out G's and stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, I honestly think, like, so with Christmas Carol, the book, it was phenomenally well written, and it is an incredible tale. And, like, Muppet Christmas Carol captures that story pretty well. But I think if I was to either read Treasure Island or watch Muppet Treasure Island or, like, Treasure Planet... I think those movies do a bit better of a job kind of selling the story than the book does. It's supposed to be a coming-of-age tale, and I suppose Jim does grow up, but, I mean, the ending right there just kind of wraps it up really quickly, like an Animal House credit scene, you know? Here's what all the characters went off to do, and that's it. And it's... You know, it's it's an interesting tale. Um, There's a lot of really cool conflict and stuff like that, some really interesting moves, but by and large... It's, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's not the best thing I've ever read, but it's not the worst. Um, and I, I very much enjoyed it, and I hope you guys did too. So that was Treasure Island. Thank you very much for listening. And with that, I think that will be the end of this week's podcast. I want to thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the Going Upcast. Next week, we will begin the next brand new audiobook adventure for the podcast, which will be Alice in Wonderland, because I wanted a springtime book, and... I mean, that one fits the bill so nicely, so nicely. I have absolutely no idea how that book reads. Never actually read that book before, but I think we're all fairly familiar with the story, so it'll be fun to dive into. Probably one of the most well-known bits of fantasy in, uh, in the world. You know, House of Wonderland. There's all, I've a lot of media, so I'm excited to see where it all began. And we will do that next week. Have a wonderful week, everybody. And I'll see you then. I uh, we got one.